Well, good morning to each and every one of you. It's great to see you here on site, and welcome to all of you who have joined us online. How many people love that white stuff that's coming down from the sky today? It's looking a lot like Christmas. And Christmas is only five more sleeps. And uh, how many people are done your Christmas shopping? Lift up your hand. You're done your Christmas shopping. Grr. I know some of you are like, ah, I'm not ready yet. And some of you are like, isn't that what Christmas Eve is for? And some of you are grateful for God's gift to mankind, Amazon. And you could just have it delivered to your door. Well, we are so excited about Christmas, and we at Woodvale are in a six-part sermon series that we've called Christmas Has a Name. And we're taking six Sundays to explore the great names of Jesus that are found in the book of Isaiah. And we've been exploring in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, in this great Christmas series, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And then in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, he's called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Well, for a few moments today, I want to explore the most common popular name in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. We want to take a look at Prince of Peace. And I want to break this message into two parts this morning. And first of all, I want to walk you on a journey of what does Prince of Peace actually mean as we study it from the ancient Hebrew language. I want to offer to you five introductory thoughts. Number one, the Hebrew phrase that's been translated Prince of Peace is Sar, Shalom. And most of you have probably heard the Hebrew word shalom, but the word sar is a brand new word for you. And it's an important word, and we're going to explore what sar means and what shalom means today, which has been translated prince of peace. The second thing I want to share with you is that the word sar that has been translated in the New International Version prince generally refers to someone who's in charge of something. I mean, I heard the word prince, so my brain went to like the royal family. I know, you know, Queen Elizabeth and, and, you know, Prince Charles and Prince Harry and all that royal stuff. And we immediately think that the ancient Hebrew word prince speaks of royalty. But we're going to discover this morning that it actually doesn't speak of royalty. Now, we know Jesus comes from a royal lineage, and we know he's the king of kings, but Sar is not a royal word. It actually means someone who's in charge of something. It could be translated chief. It could be translated like a, a leader or a captain or an overseer or a ruler and even a prince. Let me walk you on a journey. Let me show you Genesis 21, verse 22, where it says, at that time, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander or the Tsar of his force, said to Abraham, God is with you in everything you do. We learn there that Phicol was a Tsar. Phicol was a commander of an army. It's not a royal word. It's someone who is over something. In Genesis chapter 37, verse 36, you probably heard the name Potiphar. How many have heard the name Potiphar before? And in Genesis chapter 37, 36, meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain or the Tsar of the guard. And we learn that Potiphar was a chief steward. He was the, the overseer. He was someone who was in charge of something. And then in Exodus chapter 2, verse 14, this man comes to Moses and said, Who made you ruler 
or sar and judge over us. Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what, what I did must have become known. We've actually had the expression, who died and made you king? Or who died and made you sar? And right there, like, who made you the sar over us? And then in Jeremiah chapter 29, there's some big names here that I know I'm not going to pronounce them right. But it's all these Babylonian stars. Then all the officials of the king of Babylon came and took seats in the middle gate. Nergal, Sher-Azar. I know it's spelled a little different, but it's actually the ancient Hebrew which Tsar of Samgar, Nebo, Sersakim, a chief official, Nergal, Sher-Azar, a high official, and all the other officials of the king of Babylon. Let me show you one more scripture that maybe you never saw it in this light. It's in Luke chapter 2, the Christmas story. In verse 1, in those days, Caesar, or Caesar, which is a Roman emperor, which comes from the ancient Hebrew word, Tsar. Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. So we've just learned that Tsar is not a royal word. Sar is all through the Old Testament. In fact, when you go back to the story of Joseph and, and Potiphar, you, you read about a jail keeper, which would be the Sar of the jail. And you also read about the cupbearer, which would be the Sar uh, over the cup. And then the chief baker, which would be the Sar over the baking. You see, it was a, a word to describe someone who is over something. The third thing I want to do this morning is explore the ancient Hebrew word shalom, which we've translated peace, but the truth is peace doesn't really do justice to the, the, the richness of the ancient Hebrew word shalom. So let's dig a little deeper. The Hebrew word shalom is a state of wholeness, or it's a state of harmony that is intended to resonate in all our relationships. It means soundness. It means completeness. It means harmony. It means wholeness. And it relates to every relationship that you have with God and with other people. It's meant to permeate all your relationships. Let's go to number four. In number four, you might know that shalom was used as a greeting. In fact, if we were Hebrew in the Old Testament, we wouldn't show up to the place of worship and say good morning. We'd show up and say shalom. And when we were leaving, we would say shalom. It was a greeting and it was also a goodbye. And when used as a greeting or a goodbye, shalom, watch this, was a wish for outward freedom from disturbances, as well as an inward sense of well-being. So it was outward in its connection to all of your relationships, that there would be no disturbances, there would be harmony, there would be soundness, there would be completeness, there would be calmness, there would be tranquility. And it had an inward component that there would be an inner sense of calmness and an inner sense of well-being. Let me take you to Numbers chapter 6. You might remember the priestly blessing. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you're to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you, be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you. Now watch this. And give you peace or give you shalom. All of the Old Testament scriptures are pointing towards the Tsar of Shalom, Jesus. All of them are pointing towards us. And in Numbers chapter 6, the priestly blessing, and give you peace, give you Shalom. It's all pointing towards Jesus. I want to take you to Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Remember when the, uh, the shepherds are out in the field watching the flock by night? And this bright light shines, and these angels shows up, and the angel says, glory to God in the highest. 
in the heavens, in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Luke chapter 2, verse 14 is fulfilling Isaiah 9, 16. And the angel is only announcing what Isaiah spoke 700 years earlier. The angel is announcing that the star of peace, who is someone who is in charge over something, is going to show up as a babe in a manger. The angel is just reiterating what Isaiah spoke. Number five, I want you to get it in your spirit today that 700 years before Jesus came as a baby in a manger, 700 years before the Tsar of Shalom showed up, 700 years before the, the ruler, the captain who, who is in charge of peace, who is peace, Isaiah declares Jesus as the Tsar of Shalom. Isaiah declares that Jesus is in charge of our peace. Jesus is over our peace. Jesus is our peace. Jesus is the only one who can give us peace. Mankind is looking for peace in the government. Mankind is looking for peace in things. Mankind is looking for peace in people. But true peace is found in the sorrow of peace. And his name is Jesus. And he is the king of peace. Come on, Woodville. We give him glory. We give him honor today. We give him glory. So I want to take you to number two, which is the heart of the message today. And I want to give you the application. What actually does this mean to us today? Now, before we, we walk through this, I, I want you to know, first of all, what it's not. What, what shalom or sorrow of shalom or the captain of shalom means. It, it doesn't mean that you're going to live in life absent from problems. This is not tiptoe through the tulips, folks. And when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, it doesn't mean that life is going to be absence of problems. But when you become a believer of Jesus, it means you're going to experience the presence of the sar of peace, Jesus Christ. So it doesn't mean that life will be rosy, peachy, problem-free. In this world, you shall have trouble. In this world, you shall have difficulty. But we got the sar of shalom, and his name is Jesus. The second thing, it doesn't mean that we close our ears and go, I don't want to hear about it. I just want shalom in the home and shalom in my life. I don't want to hear about the problems in the world. I don't want to hear about the needs and the problems and the hurts and the difficulties. No, Woodville, we need to turn our face to mankind and show them hope that is found in Jesus. We need to be there to help those who are struggling and hurting. The last thing I want to say to you before we define what it means, it doesn't mean that we, shalom doesn't mean that we sacrifice truth on the altar of compromise. Some people think that if we're going to have the prince of peace, the, the sorrow of peace in our life, that we're just to not rock the boat, not stand for what we believe, and just, you know, hold our convictions to ourselves. I want to declare to everyone on site and everyone online that this is not the time for God's people to sacrifice the truth of God's word and the convictions that we have in God's word on the altar of compromise. This is the time for God's church to rise up and not be the sleeping giant and stand on the truth of the word of the Lord. Somebody risk a little amen or praise the Lord in this place today. So in just a couple of moments, I want to offer to you four things of what this means for us today. But let me give you an illustration. There's a couple, they had their fifth child and they got a real busy home. They got five kids under seven and under. It's just a busy, 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 busy home. 
And some friends of them gave them as a gift when their fifth child was born, a playpen and a larger than normal playpen. And they loved it. And they sent a thank you letter to the one who gave it to them. The letter went like this. Thank you so much for the playpen. Every day I enjoy sitting in the playpen by myself reading my book to keep all of the children away from me for one hour. Oh, I love that. I mean, that home was looking for a little shalom in the home. So let me talk to you for a couple of moments about what does this mean to you and I today? And the first thing I want to share with you, what does this mean to us today? In Jesus, we discover upward peace. And we're going to be reminded today of something I think most of us already know, that the basis of all true peace is found in Jesus Christ. You got to figure this one out first because everything flows from an upward connection to God through Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Paul said, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. When you receive and accept Jesus, you enter into a shalom, a peace with God. Let me take you back to the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. They were living in peace. They were living in perfect shalom. Everything was well. There was inner tranquility, and there was tranquility in their relationship. Everything was good. Everything was fine. And then sin entered the world when Adam and Eve sinned. And because of their sin, enmity happened between them and God, and they were pushed out of the garden. And since the days of Adam and Eve, this whole enmity between us and God existed until Jesus Christ came to restore the broken relationship and to solve the barrier of sin that separates us from God and us. And he went to a cross, and he died for our sins, and they put him in a grave. And on the third day, he was raised alive. I'm here to declare to you today that the greatest shalom is the upward shalom, and it's found in Jesus Christ. Peace with God is not found in what you do. Peace in God is found in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Can we push pause right now and give a little clap offering of praise to our Lord God, because that's where it all begins. Let me read to you some, some words from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, down to verse 18. Paul said, therefore, remember that formerly, you who are Gentiles. Now, if you're Jewish, you're Jewish. If you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. Anyone who's not Jewish, Gentile. Anyone Jewish, Jew. Therefore, remember that formerly, you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who called themselves the circumcision, Jewish people. We're called the circumcision, Gentiles, the uncircumcised, which is done in the body by human hands. I don't need to explain that. You get it. Verse 12, remember that at that time you were separated, at that time you were separated from Christ. Get that in your spirit. At that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise without hope and without God in the world. I love verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, now in the Sar of Shalom, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You were far from God because of your sin, but you were brought near to God through a personal relationship in Jesus Christ. Verse 14, I love this. For he himself is our peace. Jesus is not just the Sar of Shalom. He is the star of shalom. He is our peace. Amen. 
who has made the two groups one, referring to the Jew and Gentile, bringing them together, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. He brings a clarity of bond between us and God, and he brings a peace in our relationship to one another. By setting aside in his flesh the law, verse 15, with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace or making shalom, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Verse 17, he came and preached peace or shalom to you who are far away and shalom to those who are near, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. So what we're reminded today is the first shalom, the first blessing of the Sar of Shalom is in Jesus, the Sar of Shalom, we can discover upward peace. We can be reconciled back to God. Sin has separated. The garden was peace. Sin separates. But when you come to Christ, you've got a new peace that brings you back in connection to the creator. The created gets connected to the creator. I want to take you to number two, and I want to talk to you for a few moments. Number two, in Jesus, number two, we discover inward peace. Now, I'm going to give you an illustration, and I'm going to explain this to you. There was a guy that went to a psychiatrist, and he said, I'm a mess. I can't sleep at nights. It's horrible. And the psychiatrist said, what is your problem? He says, well, I get to bed, and I'm laying on my bed, and I start thinking that there's someone underneath my bed, and it scares me. And so I finally work up the boldness to get on the floor and crawl underneath the bed and look underneath, only discover that there's no one there. And then when I'm on the floor, realizing that there's no one underneath the bed, I begin to think that there's someone on top of my bed. So I go underneath my bed in fear that there's someone on top of my bed. And then after a while, I get the nerve to get out from underneath the bed to go on top of the bed, only to discover that there's no one on top of my bed the whole night. I'm on top of the bed. I'm under the bed. I'm on top of the bed. And I'm under my bed. I'm a mess. What do I do? And the psychiatrist said, well, I think I can solve your problem. He said, but you're going to have to meet me twice a week for two solid years, and I promise you I can cure your problem. He said, but here's the bad news. It's going to cost you $100 each session, but I promise you two years, it's all good. You're cured. And he said, well, I don't, that's a lot of money. He said, I don't know if my wife's going to like this. I need to go home, talk it over with my wife. A week later, he calls up the psychiatrist. He said, guess what? My problem solved. I do not need to meet you. My wife solved my problem. And the psychiatrist said, well, how did your wife solve the problem? He said, simple. She went to the garage. She got my saw. She went in the bedroom, and she cut the legs off of our beds. Come on, isn't that good? Isn't that good? I want you to know, my friends, today, we need to cut the legs off of our anxiety and our worry. And we're going to learn today that there's something we need to do to help ourselves experience that inward shalom. I want to show you a couple of verses. John 14, verse 1. And in John 14, verse 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. The key word there is let. Don't let your heart be troubled. There's something you need to do to help you not walk in chaos, live in chaos, Live in fear, live in anxiety, but experience the, the sorrow of shalom over your mind, in your heart, and in your life. Do not let your hearts be troubled. 
And I'm here to declare today, we have to take the proverbial supernatural saw and cut off the legs of anxiety and worry. There's something that we need to do. So I want to take you now to Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, and I'm going to show you what we need to do. And the, the prophet Isaiah said, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. You will keep. I want to talk to you for a few moments about the ancient Hebrew word for keep. And the ancient Hebrew word for keep means to guard, to keep, to protect, watch this, to hide or to conceal. And I want to declare today that when you became a follower of Jesus, you became hidden in Jesus. You became concealed in Jesus. The star of Shalom, Jesus, is covering you. You are hidden in Jesus. You are guarded in Jesus. You are protected in Jesus. And I think it's time that the church cuts the anxiety, the fear, and the worry off and learns to live in the covering and the hiddenness of the star of Shalom, Jesus. You will keep now in perfect peace. We've looked at the word peace, which is Shalom. But now it says perfect peace. I want to show you something. There is not an ancient Hebrew word that is translated here perfect. It is translated perfect, but that is not the word that is used here. The word that is translated perfect, watch this, is the same word that is translated peace. In other words, it actually reads, you will hide us, guard us, keep us, conceal us in shalom, shalom, a double portion of shalom. Now, some of you are French and you know candy, bonbon, you know, a special, it's a bonbon, it's candy candy, it's good candy, it's great, it's, it's bonbon. And I want to show you something. It's not in your notes, but I want, to, I, want to, I want to give you a scripture that you can write down. And it's found in John chapter 14, verse 27. In John 14, verse 1, we read, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now watch this. In verse 27, Jesus fulfills what is spoken of in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. You will keep in perfect peace. Shalom, shalom. And in verse 27, Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Shalom, shalom, double shalom. Shalom I leave, my shalom I give you. I don't give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Church, why we don't have to fear in the COVID season, why we don't have to fear in an economic uncertainty, why we don't have to fear in a chaos in the world is because we are hidden and concealed in the shalom, the shalom. He gives you his shalom because he is shalom. He is giving you not something. He's giving you someone. He's giving you himself and he hides us in him. And I'm learning to live concealed in the hiddenness of Jesus. He's in me, above me, below me, beside me. I am surrounded by the Jesus who is in me. Somebody give a little clap offering to the star of Shalom. Now, keep Isaiah 26, verse 3 on the screen. You will keep, guard, conceal, protect, hide. Shalom, shalom, those whose 
minds. I studied the ancient word for mind. And the ancient Hebrew word for mind means a form or a pattern of thinking. It's a frame of thoughts. I ask you, what is the pattern of your thinking? What is the pattern of your thoughts? Is the glass half full? Is the glass half empty? Or is the glass overflowing? What do you think about? What do you say? What comes out of your mouth is an overflow of what is in your heart. And if Jesus is in our heart and he's above us, beside us, below us, out of us must come the promises of the word of God Almighty. What is the frame or the form of our thoughts? You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast. I studied the ancient word steadfast. And steadfast means to lean upon. And I want to challenge the house today. Do not lean upon the news of six o'clock. Come on. Don't lean upon the six o'clock news. Do not lean upon anyone other than Jesus. I'm calling the house to lean upon the star of Shalom and the promises of the star of Shalom. By the way, his promises are true and amen. They were true when they were written and they are true today and they're going to be true tomorrow. Come on, give a little clap offering of praise to the star of Shalom. You got to lead in on the promises. Now, let me show you one more truth. You'll keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. And the ancient Hebrew word here that's been translated trust simply means to, to be careless. It's a fascinating word. And I think the only way I can illustrate it is to borrow Glenn's piano bench this morning. And uh, this is a piano that's been around from the 1970s. It's an old bench, and, uh, but it's made of real solid wood. And I, I'm not worried about sitting on it. I mean, I just stand up and sit down, and I'm, I'm honest to goodness not worried. I'm positive this bench is going to hold my weight. And I'm positive that even after Christmas, when I gain a few pounds from the chocolate and the stuffing, it still holds my weight. I'm just carelessly falling into the chair, not abandonedly, foolishly, but carelessly trusting and knowing that it's going to hold my weight. And I'm calling the house to not have a foolish carelessness, but to lean in on his promises and rest in the star of shalom because he who's in you is above you, below you, beside you, and you are hidden in him and he's going to keep you in the storms of life. And we understand that in this world we will have trouble and church, it's not the absence of problems, it's the presence of a person and it's the presence of the prince of peace who's the star of shalom. But we need to change our thinking so we can frame our thoughts. Philippians 4, 6 to 8 teaches us this. Don't be anxious about anything, but everything by prayer, petition, thanksgiving, present your request to God. I love this. And the shalom of God, the Greek word for peace, comes from the ancient Hebrew word for shalom. It's not shalom in the New Testament, but it comes from the ancient Hebrew word shalom. And the shalom of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts. Why? Because you're hidden in him. You are hidden in the star of Shalom, not just your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Church, the reason why some of you are walking in fear, living in anxiety, falling apart in the coronavirus season, 
battling depression, going through, I tell you, church, we need to allow the star of Shalom who's in us to cover us and live in who he is to protect us and keep us. Some of you are like, Mark, my life is not going well. I've got so many problems, but I feel like I'm enveloped in the peace of God. How many people know his peace can go way beyond our understanding? Come on, Woodville. And it can guard our mind and our heart in Christ Jesus. Now look at verse eight. This is framing your words. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, focus on it. Not the fake, false stuff, the true stuff. Whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So you gotta let your heart be troubled. I'm calling the house to take the shalom, the shalom, which he gave in John 14, which fulfills Isaiah's words. He will keep you in shalom, shalom. Understand that you're hidden in him and let what comes out of your mouth, words of the Lord, start reading, speaking, living, memorizing, believing. Don't just know the word, believe the word. It is true. His promises are yes and amen. And you're going to lean in him and you're going to recklessly rest on him because just like this piano bench, holds me. Jesus is going to hold me when I feel like my life is falling apart. Somebody give a little clap offering a praise to the Lord. Amen. So let me wrap it up. I'm going to walk you to point three and point four really quickly. Number one, in Jesus, we discover upward peace. Two, inward peace. Then there's number three, outward peace. In the star of Shalom, we can discover an outward peace, not just an inward calmness, but an outward sense of, of, of shalom in our relationships, shalom in our home, shalom in our relationships, shalom in our marriage, shalom in our family, shalom in our relationship with people. Let me give you two scriptures, Hebrews 12, 14 and 15. Make every effort to live in peace. You are not responsible for other people's actions or reactions. You need to get that in your spirit today. Well, they hurt me. Well, leave that with Jesus. Well, you don't know what they said. Leave it with Jesus. Well, you don't know what they did. Leave it with Jesus. You aren't responsible for your actions, react, their actions, reactions, but you are responsible for yours. Make every effort to live, live in shalom with everyone and to be holy with a holiness. No one's going to see the Lord because walking this out is an expression of holiness. Verse 15, see to that no one falls short of the grace of God. No bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many church. Some people do not practice shalom in their relationship and they hold a grudge and they walk in unforgiveness, which leads to bitterness, which is like making a poison for the other person, but drinking it yourself. Unforgiveness doesn't affect them, but it affects you. Some of you need to build a bridge and get over it and let it go in Jesus name and not let someone else's actions or actions or words that hurt negatively affect you anymore. And I'll tell you how you do it. Not in your own strength, but because you're hidden in the star of Shalom, who's in you, above you, below you, beside you, and you can experience freedom because of not letting the bitter root come in. Let me give you one more verse, Romans 12, 18. If it's possible what does that mean? It's not always possible, as far as it depends on you. And I say that because we're in a day and age that I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous that God's church is going to be the sleeping giant. 
and going to sacrifice the truth of their convictions on the altar of compromise. And I believe this is the day for the church to rise up and stand on the truth of God's word and let what we believe be what we live by. Shalom doesn't mean don't stand on your truth of God's word because you want to keep peace. Truth is truth. And the church must not be asleep, but must rise up, rise up as the giant and not be asleep and stand for the truth of God's word. Is there a witness? Is there a witness in the house this morning? Paul said, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I want to take you to number four. Number one, we've learned in Jesus, we discover upward peace. Two, in the star of Shalom, we discover inward peace. Three, in the star of Shalom, we discover outward peace. But four, in Jesus, we discover onward peace. Onward peace. Now, I want to read to you some final scriptures, and I want to invite you in the auditorium, main level, balcony, risers, and even if you're at home, would you stand to your feet right now? Could we stand? Could you stand together? I want to read you these scriptures. And before I read them, I want to share with you that there are two parts to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And before I share with you what these two parts are, I want to declare in this place that someday the star of Shalom is coming back. There was in the Garden of Eden a shalom that was broken because of the sin that entered the world through Adam and Eve. And it separated mankind from God, enmity between God and man. And then Jesus, the Prince of Peace, comes and reclaims, redeems, renews by his blood a renewed connection from mankind to God. And I'm so glad. Anybody glad this morning that Jesus came to this world? Come on, anybody glad? Anybody glad that Jesus came to Come on, anybody? Anybody glad that Jesus came to this world? But there still is not peace on the world. There's wars. There's earthquakes. There's chaos. There's a lot happening in the prophetic realm, and we are getting closer to the return of Jesus Christ. And the first part of the second coming is someday the trumpet of the Lord is going to sound. (laughs) The dead in Christ are going to rise first, and those of us that are alive and remain, who are believers in him, are going to be caught up to be with the Lord. Anybody looking forward to the return? Come on, anybody in the house looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ? So part A is the rapture. And part B is when Jesus comes back with his church to bring in the millennial age. Before that happens, it's going to be the battle of Armageddon. And Jesus, our mighty warrior, our Al Gabor, is going to come. And he's going to fight on our behalf. And the Prince of Peace, the peace of the Garden of Eden is going to be restored when you step into the millennium. And I'll tell you why. Because the Tsar of Shalom, who doesn't just bring peace, who doesn't just offer peace, but who is peace, is going to come back with his church and usher in the millennial age. And the Bible gives us a picture in the book of Isaiah and Micah of what the millennial age is going to be like. Let me read verse 6 down to verse 9. Isaiah 11. The wolf will live with the lamb. Folks, on planet Earth, wolves do not live with lambs. The leopard's going to lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. 
children are going to be amongst these animals. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. I don't, I don't, I don't encourage that today. But in the millennium, infants will be able to play near the cobra's den. Why? Because there's going to be shalom and peace in every relationship. Animals aren't going to attack us. And the young child will put its hand in the viper's nest. Don't do that now. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. If you believe that word today, give a clap offering of praise to our Lord God. <laughs> Micah chapter four, verse three and verse four. He will judge between many people, will settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation. There'll be no more wars, no more fighting, nor will they train for war anymore because the mighty warrior, the El Gabor, and the Tsar of Shalom, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, is coming back with his church to bring in the millennial age. I tell you, church, I give him all the glory. I give him all the honor. James says in James 5, verse 8, you too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. And I believe there's a word for the house. We're waiting for the return of Jesus. Be patient, but stand firm. Do not sacrifice truth on the altar of compromise. Stand for the truth of God's word. Second Peter 3.14. So then, dear friends, since you're looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Someday, the Tsar of Shalom is coming back, and his name is Jesus. Praise the Lord. Come on. Pastor Brad, worship team, I want you to sing this song that talks about peace because there's many people who are battling anxiety and fear and worry. And for many of you, the enemy's playing havoc with your mind and you're feeling your heart is troubled and something is bothering you and something is gripping you with fear. And I'm praying that the same Jesus who walked on the water and calmed the storm the same Jesus who was in the boat when it was sinking. Church, when he's in your boat, you're going to stay afloat. And when Jesus is hiding you in him, you don't have to walk in fear. You can lean on him. You can, Glenn, you can recklessly just abandon yourself in Jesus. And you can find a peace that passeth all understanding. And I'm here to declare the star of Shalom is in the house. So feel free to lift your hands. And Pastor Brad and team, would you sing to the Lord in these final moments?
Every head is bowed. Everyone's eyes are closed in these final moments. And whether you're standing here on site or you're watching online, if today was the day that Jesus came back for his church, are you ready to meet your maker? If today was the day that you stepped into eternity, do you know that you know that you're ready for heaven? I don't want you to think you're ready. I don't want you to hope you're ready. I want you to know that you're ready. You see, Jesus made a way back to the Father. You can't buy your salvation. It's not your goodness. It's not your works. It's by grace alone. It's simply receiving Jesus in your life. Was there a day, a time, a moment that you said yes to Jesus, that you asked Jesus to come into your life? You asked the Tsar of Shalom to come in and you made things right with God and that broken relationship between yourself and God was restored. You're standing on sight. You're watching online. If you can't answer that question with a definite yes, I want to lead you in this prayer and we're going to join you as you pray. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I ask you into my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life today. I receive you in my heart. I confess you today as my Savior and my Lord. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Could you open your eyes? Can we take a moment and celebrate? Come on, can we take a moment and celebrate salvation? you're here today or you're watching online, you made that decision for Jesus. You made the best decision of your life. You're on site and you did that in a couple of moments. On your way out, go to a table at an exit point. We've got for you a Bible. It's free. We've got a little booklet for you. It's free. We're going to tell you how we can help you in your new faith journey. If you're watching online, reach out to us on one of the platforms that this service is presented and we will reach back to you and we're going to help you in your new faith journey. And in just a couple of moments, friends, I want to pray for the house, then we're going to close. And I want to pray that we would not choose fear. We would choose anxiety. But we'd remind ourselves we are hidden in the star of Shalom. And he wants to cover our mind and our hearts. And we're going to, we're going to chop off that worry and fear this morning. And we're going to choose to focus on what is good and lovely and perfect and admirable. We're going to focus on him. We're going to, we're going to recklessly lean in on the promises of God. We are going to reframe our thoughts so we speak words of life and truth. Because we don't want to be a people of fear, amen. We want to be a people of faith. We don't want to walk in fear and anxiety. We pray fear, anxiety would be broken today in the name of Jesus. Come on, in the name of Jesus, it would be broken in the name of the Lord. And after I pray, if you'd like personal prayer, and after the auditorium exits, you come to the front, stand on one of these lines. We've got a team of people that are here to pray for you. They'll be at a distance, but they want to pray for you. Many of you have come today to worship and giving of your tithes and offerings. You, you choose to give on site. There are ushers at the back and there are self-serving debit machines, main level up in the balcony. And we leave that with you and we thank you for your faithful giving. And church, this coming, this coming Christmas Eve, two, four, six, let me give you the bottom line. It's about 80% full right now. There's not a lot of room. You gotta sign up real quick or you're not gonna get in. So register today. And 246 on-site, 246 online. And we're believing for a great, great Christmas Eve. Next Sunday, we're going to conclude this series. We're going to talk about Emmanuel, God with us, a really unique time that morning. And at the end of the service, we're going to have some time of honor to honor Pastor Marvin and Esther. It will be their last Sunday with us. We love them so much. We are so grateful for them. And we want to honor them next week. And that'll happen at the end of our service next Sunday morning. 
And so Evelyn and I love you so much. We really do. We are so glad to be a part of this amazing church family doing life together. And uh, we just want to give you a little virtual hug. And the Lord bless you. But I want to pray for you. Can we just open our hands just like this? Father, just like in the Old Testament, the priest would say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he give you peace. I pray peace over everyone in this auditorium, over their minds and over their hearts. I pray that everyone would be hidden in you today. I pray you, Jesus, who in us is above us, below us, beside us, around us. I pray we would be hidden in Jesus. That God, when we're in the storm of the COVID season, when we're in the storm, storm of illness. We're in the storm of difficulty. We would know that life is not the absence of problems, but it's the presence of the sorrow of Shalom. And so Jesus, I want to thank you today that you're the sorrow of Shalom. Wrap your arms around each one today. I pray, Lord, we would cut off anxiety and worry and fear, and we would choose to walk in faith and boldness in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, that we'd have faith and peace that is upward and inward and outward and onward. We can't wait for your return, Jesus. But until then, we want to walk and live in your shalom. And today, Jesus, we worship you because you are the star of shalom. You are not just in charge of shalom. You are shalom. And we give you the glory, the honor, the praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, Whitville, give a clap offering a praise to the star of shalom. Amen. Well, may the Lord bless you. Have a great week. We can't wait for Christmas Eve. May the Lord give you a great day. The Lord bless you.